when I'm not doing anything, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the worst version of myself because my mind, that creative wheel in your head, as much of a blessing and it's beautiful and it's amazing, that creative wheel is always spinning. So if there's nothing to put into it that is constructive, uh, new, um, exciting, um, it's a new path, I, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of amazingness and, and wonder, it goes the complete opposite way and I'll stub my toe and I'll be dying the next day and it throws me into a spiral of thought creatively. Now I'm creatively thinking of how I'm my demise. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. If you missed last week, you missed part one of my creative chat with Kevin Von Holterman. He is a local artist and musician, and we have an incredible time talking about all things creativity, his process, his journey. We talk about um, just various struggles of trying to make a living from your creativity, as well as navigating things like mental health and creativity. And uh, Kevin is a great guy. If you were ever in New Jersey and um, in Hunterdon County specifically, I strongly urge that you go check out his gallery and uh, stop in and say hi. You will not be disappointed. So without further ado, here is part two of my creative chat with Kevin Von Holderman. You know, and one of the things too that um, it just made me think of how perception, right, is an interesting yeah. thing because someone can look at you or look at me and say like, oh, we see all these things you post on social media and we see all these opportunities and we see all the things, you know, all the stuff, the highlight reel, right? Yeah. Everybody knows that we always talk about that social media is not real, that it is the highlight reel that you're seeing because, you know, I, I think there are moments that bleed through where, where you're like, yeah, you know what, you're, you're being real and you're sharing some things that are maybe less than the highlight reel. Uh, but by and large, the things that people remember are the, the, the opportunities that make them go, wow, ooh, that's impressive or whatever. Right. So yeah. I think it's easy for people to, to look from the outside and go like, 
oh, I have this imagined life that you live that is is incredible. And I wish I had that. And, you know, getting into conversations with people and going like, no, you know what? Like, there's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of like loss. There's a lot of things that you don't necessarily see. Um, and, you know, some parts of your story are meant for just yourself and those who are close to you. Uh, and mm -hmm. there's other stuff that's, you know, public consumption when you're you know, a creative person like us. Right. Um, but I think even dealing with mental health issues, you know, um, sure. I mean, I've posted a lot about that. You know, we've we've had some conversations around that. Um, yeah, man. It's hard to sometimes navigate that as a creative person because our livelihood is tied to our creativity and we can't separate our creativity from our mental health. And so, you know, I'm just wondering, would you be willing to, to speak into that a little bit from your experiences and like, what has been helpful for you in those moments where you're like, you know, you said before, like, Hey, I think I'm just ready to burn it down to the ground. Or I feel like I'm, you know, that next hurdle just seems to be a lot. And, and even it's internal um, yeah. and, and how you, you know, deal with those moments. That's, that's a, man, that, all of that really speaks to the heart. Um, and I've kind of juggled with that as an artist, because, you know, on social media, or as my series says, the anti-social media um, is, uh, you know, you look around and, and I see all these artists who, you know, now there's a new bar set, like you said, you start here and you're like, oh, here, now I'm looking at these artists that have these shows and, and, and with these characters and like, they're putting on this thing and they're weird. And like, you know, I don't see any of like this, like vulnerability mm -hmm. in them. It's so like, for sure. And like, my work is a hundred thousand dollars and that's it. And that's awesome. And I love that for entertainment, but I've never really been that one to, to, to feel comfortable in that skin. Mm -hmm. So it's, I've been dabbling with just kind of trying to let my true self, even the, raw part of me out mm -hmm. um for public view mm -hmm. you know where it's i don't really want to like say you know you're looking at me from the outside i don't want you to look at me and be like oh yeah this guy his life's all together everything's like that i want you to be able to more relate to me on the human level not the level of i wish i had what he had um and that's kind of what makes me feel really good inside as a human being mm -hmm. where i can say hey like, you know, you and I are friends like, hey, Mike, um, this is what's going on in my life right now. Um, I'm sorry if I've given you the runaround with times and 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 I'm not the, and always there. This is what's going on with me. I hope you can understand. I appreciate our friendship. Mm -hmm. Now I've said it truthfully and there's no uh, kind of conniving or shadiness behind mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, this is who I am. And if and if you respect respect me as a human being or, or not, not even respect if you um understand me as a human being then we're cool it's like all right cool like i accept how he is you accept how i am and there we go so back to your question about the mental health um and it, it's been a struggle my whole life it's been a struggle since uh childhood that's kind of why with the drums and you know playing guitar and things like that that always gave me a voice. I was always a bad student. Mm -hmm. So my create my confidence level was down. My identity became in, wow, well, Holterman's a great drummer, you know, mm -hmm. this and that. And, and it gave me a sense of 
feeling proud mm-hmm. um, of myself. But the anxiety and the social anxiety, that's been there since since parties started in middle school. It was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, how can I figure out how I don't have to go to this party? Because it's <laughs> a little uncomfortable. You know, yeah. I would go and I would do this. And, and it was like one time, like, I was like a skater punk and I went to this one party and like some jock dudes thought it would be funny to like hand me a beer, but it was filled with urine because and oh, I gosh. picked it up and it was like warm. And I was like, what? Like, you know, and I left the party. and I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. done with this. I'm going to hang out with, you know, my band and like all of us. So it, it's it, it, it for the mental health, the creativity had always and still does um help me through it it's mm-hmm. it's almost like i saw this john mellencamp um interview where he was talking about him and i think it was steven spielberg talking about uh if they don't create they become worse hypochondriacs mm-hmm. and all they do is, is worry yeah. so it's always been an escape for me whether it be music or art um when i'm not doing anything i'm i'm the worst I'm the worst version of myself because my mind, that creative wheel in your head, as much of a blessing and it's beautiful and it's amazing, that creative wheel is always spinning. So if there's nothing to put into it that is constructive, uh, new, um, exciting, um, it's a new path, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole of amazingness and, and wonder it goes the complete opposite way and I'll stub my toe and I'll be dying the next day. And it throws me into a spiral of thought creatively. Now I'm creatively thinking of how I'm my demise or things like that. You know, so it's, it's creatively one way or the other. So I have to stay busy, you know, doing stuff. And a lot of the times that's where, um, where I'm missing an action. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot of thinking and planning and, and and songwriting like i have this old station wagon like what that i'm in right now for this podcast i feel great in here because i can drive around i'll sit in a nice park i've got my phone which is like the most amazing computer in your hand and i can get work done i can write i can sketch you know with my finger and and make some things and it's um that's what i'm doing most of the time and it's that's how i've always calmed the anxiety. Now, does it always work? No, my girlfriend will tell you that 100%. No, it doesn't work. Um, but it works enough of the time that I'm able to, to produce pretty, you know, a good amount of work mm-hmm. where it just comes out. And then I sit back and I feel good. I'm like, all right, cool. That, that, that's, that looks pretty good. You know, yeah. that, that looks good to my eye. Yeah. So that's so- really, I've done it. It's it's almost like a way of processing through things for you, right? In creating? Yes, yes. And it always wasn't like that. Like when I started to do abstract stuff in the beginning, it was, I used to ball the paint up in my hand and throw it like a baseball as hard as I could to the canvas, like for this like action, like really visceral release. And I wasn't reinventing the wheel. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people have done that you know, in their creative journey, like, oh, let's action paint. Oh, let's throw it. But it felt so good. And the, the tendonitis didn't feel good because I was throwing so hard. <laughs> I'm throwing this light little bit of thing. And then I'm like, ah, oh, you know, now I've got tendonitis in my hand. But it was, it felt good. But then when I started to get into like 
drawing characters, which I always did, and they'd be on little doodles on paper. And then I'm like, well, let me now transfer these thoughts that I felt no one would like. I'm going to put on this paper about my bipolar, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and and it, to to say about the bipolar, I'm not even sure I had it. One doctor told me I had bipolar two once. So I started to obsess. I'm like, oh, well, great. Now I have bipolar two. Now I'm nuts. So like, I made these painting like a mental health series and it was called Bipolar Opposite. So I put it on this canvas and people were like relating to it. Mm-hmm. They would come by and they would start to, re- they would stop at that. And like in the gallery, like I have so many different styles for my ADHD. I get to kind of gauge where people stop and their focus is on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, like people were really stopping and getting a chuckle out of this realness coming through what you know rather than the abstract stuff and that's that's great they'll stop and look at that too but i didn't think people would want to see that kind of dark side Mm -hmm. um you know painted in a tongue-in-cheek manner yeah so but that that also gave me a sense of okay this makes me feel good and other people are relating to it and then you know, you can kind of start to have that conversation with someone because they see your painting on the wall and they're like, oh, bipolar too. And then they come over to you. They're like, I have bipolar and I have rapid cycling. And they'll start to talk about it. And we start to talk about these things that are more meaningful than just, hey, I like that color mm-hmm. green. Yeah. Yeah. So that became that became meaningful. Yeah. It's where your your creation becomes a connection point. Right. Um, yeah. And I totally relate to that because. For me, I feel like my work isn't complete until that connection happens. Uh, if I make something and I just keep it around me, nobody else gets to interact with it. There's processing that happened, but it feels incomplete because I haven't made that connection. I haven't brought it out into the light and let somebody else take it and bring what they can to it. And even right. things that maybe I didn't even intend, or maybe there's things that I didn't even see. I maybe I did unconsciously. I don't know. Um, but that connection can bring that conversation and elevate it even to a place that is far beyond what you can just do as the creator yourself. It's true. It's almost like the skin on a skeleton. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's you're bringing out this thing, and it's what it's like that just finalizes it as being complete. Yeah. You know. Now it's. Yeah. I, and and it's true with your work, your work also speaks, you know, it, it has such a personal side to it. And that's why it always connected with it. And it's like, like you said, like you get this conception of like, oh, you know, like this is how this person is. And then you dive into their art and you start to really look at it and you're like, no, this is really, this is really their soul, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when I say art, I don't want to, just for the sake of the listener or anything, Art is a vast mm-hmm. thing. Creative expression is, 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 you know, we're talking about music and, and, and painting. I mean, I'm talking, you know, cooking and, and landscape mm-hmm. design and 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 everything and sewing and and, and and the list goes on and on. Yeah, it, yeah. It's someone's passion for expressing themselves through any form of creative medium. Yeah, yeah. I talk about that all the time because there's so many people who think. I'm not creative. I'm right. like, no, 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 no. We need to rewrite that script because you are creative. It's just maybe you can't draw, maybe you can't paint or play an instrument, but you are really creative when it comes to organizing things or 
you know, sure. uh, programming systems. You're, you're, you can decorate a home like nobody's business. You can, I mean, there are so many things that we think, oh, well, if it doesn't fall into this box, then I'm not quote really creative or, or an artist or whatever. And, um, and I think we do it ourselves a disservice when we start to make those distinctions. Um, I so I'd rather bring people together and say, no, no, no. I think we're all creative. Let's just talk about how that shows up and let's be more intentional about how that shows up um, and recognizing it and celebrating it so we can do more of it, you know? True. It's true. Yeah. And you know, you start to notice that with people. And the first thing when, when someone will say that to me, oh, oh, I'm not creative. I'm right out of my mouth is, have you tried? Mm -hmm. have, have you even tried? Because maybe you can't draw, but that can't draw might be the next Basquiat. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're making childhood stick figures. I know that I can't technically draw a photograph, but I know I can do what I can do. Mm -hmm. And I know that the person next to me, if I sat them in a room and said, you have 12 hours, here's paint and canvas, just go. Something would come out of that nine times out of 10. Yeah. That that was uniquely their own and beautiful in its own right. Yeah. And there's so much of it that it's a learned skill. I think people misinterpret to think, you know, somebody came out of the womb and they're like, you know, really amazing draftsmen or whatever. Now, of course, there's there's people who have natural talent and giftings. Sure. I don't sure. want to discredit that. But there's also like you put in the work like anything yes. else. And there's a learned and acquired skill that happens. And so then it becomes a matter of how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to work? Um, right. And if somebody is willing to do that, then certainly they can learn to draw, they can learn to paint, they can learn to play an instrument. Uh, it's just easier, I think, sometimes to take the excuse of, I'm not good at that, therefore I, I'm not going to try that. So it's an easy out, you know? <laughs> yes, because you're not good at it until you fail at it thousands of times. Yes, yes. I exactly. mean, that's when you start to get quote unquote good. But then even, you know, you know, as I do, even when you get quote unquote good, the next level you're looking at. So that level is no longer the good level for you. Right. You know, right. you want to get you want to get better. Yeah, because there's you know, and I've been talking about this in my social media recently in other places of just this this evolution that happens. Right. Um, we're not static beings. And if we are, then we're dead because there needs yeah. to be some kind of growth. There needs to be some kind of movement. And I think, especially as creative people, we're always looking for that next project or that next muse to follow or interest to lean into, to experiment, to play. What happens if I try this? Or you know, looking at our work and going, okay, here's where I've been. And I don't necessarily want to keep cranking out the same, same, same. Um, right. Where can I inject some newness and some freshness and see where that takes me and then you change as a person even like in your own life outside of the work that you do so that's feeding into your creativity too uh maybe there's subject matter maybe there's relationships that you you come into contact with them. there's collaboration um there's so many different ways that we can evolve as creative people and i think it's important to be aware of that and lean into that um because it's like you said yeah there is always that next level to kind of get through and give yourself the grace to go it's probably going to look bad in the beginning um <laughs> there's probably going to be a lot of yeah. uh experimenting that goes sideways and then go okay what am i learning from this uh maybe i learned what not to do <laughs> not only what, what i want to do and repeat you know 
Right. It, it, it's true. It, and there's also that other flip side to that about I'm starting to notice that the more that I accept that I'm not driving the creativity anymore, like I'm not driving the car anymore. It's it, it. I've started to relate to it as I'm the passenger, like the Iggy Pop song, where it's just, I'm this passenger now and something else is driving me. And I used to think about that and be like, yeah, right. Like, what, what kind of what kind of thought process? Is, oh, the, I'm, I'm not in my own body. But it's really true. The more that I let go and just let myself in this creative path drive itself forward and I just follow the lead the more the work is coming out where I'm looking at it like, yeah, that's right. That, that feels right to me, you know, yeah. where I'm not fighting that whole, you know, thought process of, uh, is this looking right? Is this going to, is this going to sell? Mm -hmm. That's another thing. That's a constant battle when you start to do it as a full-time career choice, that there's this push and pull of, what am I painting now? It's all, it's all ultimately for myself, but that thing would start to creep into me where I'd be like, well, I should probably paint another floral because they've been selling really well. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other thing. It's like, well, you don't want to paint another floral right now because you want to creatively explore your own mind and get a little one-on-one -on -one therapy with yourself. So it became this thing. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll compromise with myself. I'm going to paint this floral and I'm going to paint this whacked out weird one at the same exact time. Yeah. So then you yeah. get done, you look at the wall, you're like, wow, those are two different people. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it, it works. Well, you know, and it's, I always encourage people that, especially who, who have like creative day jobs, I think there's this misconception that if you have some kind of creative day job, that it's going to fulfill all your needs creatively. And that's simply not the case because most of the time it's client driven. It's driven by other people in the mix that are, you know, creative briefs or, you know, commissions or whatever it is, but there's other people and other expectations. And so the expectations. Yeah. Yes. And so I think it's important to say it's a both and it's yes, having that stuff, but then also having my personal passion projects that I can just go, you know what, it's all whatever I want to do. And maybe I sell it, maybe I don't. Maybe I right. make it into a series and maybe it's just a one-off. Um, I make the rules there. And I think that's the place where you have a playground, where you experiment, you play, you you get curious. And that stuff can also then bleed back over into the other work that you do. Um, sure. And inform it. And you might stumble upon something that is a technique that you're like, okay, this came out of my playtime but I'm, I'm going to adapt this into what I do normally now too. Um, so I think it's important to have both of those categories and not think either I'm all about just me and what I want to do and my passions and all that right. and yeah. you know, forget everybody else um, or the other direction of it's all about everybody else and not, never about me, you know? That's a great point. And it, that's 100% true. It's, it's, you know, I'm so thankful that I that I get a, a floral commission or a, a city painting commission, and I put my heart and soul into that commission, and I'm yeah. doing it 100%. And but it's it's that thing of not letting one get too far in either way because I feel like too far in either direction they're going to just cancel each other out, and that's when you sit there and you go, "This isn't fun anymore at all." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's easy to lose yourself in the process of some of those things. Um, yeah. and then question 
and go, you know, is this working anymore? Should I even be doing this anymore? Like, what are my That's motivations? You know, all that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. totally, totally. And, you know, all this stuff is happening under the surface. And most people don't see this or know. They just see, oh, there's the work, you know, cool, you know. <laughs> yeah. And there comes that level where you start to, you know, as a painter, you start to look at that, at that thing where now you're looking behind from where you're at now to where you first started and you're looking ahead and I'm looking at some artists that I really look up to and I'm like wow like they one they don't take any commissions and two they have a website that has nothing on it but contact me you know they're at that level mm -hmm. where there's yeah. people working for them and they're generating the they're they're running the machine and they're promoting them and they're bringing them clientele and they're showing them multiple galleries throughout the world. And there's not a like, Oh, I have my own gallery, my own mm -hmm. business. What I, yeah. when, when I started this, it was like, I'm going to start a gallery and now it's, you're doing everything and you're promoting yourself and you're feeding your own machine and your own business and you're take, wearing all the hats. Yeah. So yeah. that's where it's, you know, some of the other artists that have that luxury of, you know, I can just step back and just let my mind go. And they've achieved that level where that they, they can just really dive into just themselves. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, that's something that, you know, I'm always kind of like fighting whether the, the goal of that is, is alluring, but it's also, I still love to stay connected to the way I've always done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it's because you were almost like forced to become an entrepreneur. Right. To support so true. Your, your art and your creativity. Because you're like, okay, there's nobody coming to ride in and save me. There's no one coming in offering me a way out or to do all these other things. And if I want to do this as a, as a livelihood, then yeah. I need to figure out what that looks like. And then it becomes, you know, okay, now I'm a creative entrepreneur. I don't have a business background. I've never had a, another business. There are a lot of things in the business world that I don't really know. Maybe I'm doing things wrong. It's kind of like almost the same way that sometimes we approach our, our artwork where it's, let me experiment, let me play, let me take a little inspiration from here and a little from there and put it in here and see what happens, see what works and then readjust and then yeah. the next evolution and the next problems to solve and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's what happens as a creative entrepreneur as well is that you're learning on the job, you're building the plane as you fly, and it's it's an ever-evolving plane because there's always new issues to deal with. Um, but there's also something, I think, satisfying to know that even that is an act of creativity. That is true. That's, that, is an, that is an act of, of total creativity. I, I, I had a conversation with this. There's a guy that I'm working on this documentary that's called life and abstraction and he's kind of been collecting information for me and we're working on this documentary about just this whole the whole journey and one day I'm, I'm sitting there and i'm sending him some videos of you know my phone's up on top and i'm sending the uh the videos of that i not feeling creative and i don't know what to send him and 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 he had given me the permission to like, if I was, you know, having a rough day, send him this kind of stuff for the documentary. And he sent me back this thing. He said, you just sitting there and sending me these videos is creative. Mm -hmm. So don't beat yourself up. It's, you know, it, it, 
it goes back to the thing that creativity is more than just expressing yourself, you know, yeah. with art and all that. It's, it's also expressing yourself with, you know, emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and totally. Totally. And I, I love that, you know, every time I walk by your gallery, it's, it's a reminder to me of like, you know what, like Kevin has pursued his dream. He is pursuing his dream and there's, there's a physical space. That's a reminder all the time. And I think the encouragement that you bring even to the community to go like, yeah, here's a guy who's, who's willing to keep stepping up and stepping out. Um, you know, even beyond your, your artwork, it's your very presence in the community and that, that place being there where people can pop in, they can talk to you when you're there, you know, they can, yep. um, you know, all those things, uh, see your work throughout, even outside how it's bled outside your gallery and into the other establishments that are there in the, in the neighborhood and people going like, there's that guy again, there's his work again, there's his, you know, <laughs> like, I think that that's very encouraging for people to see. Um, so I just want to say thank you for showing up in that. Thank you for listening Thanks, to man. that, that voice and not letting those other voices of like, yeah, man, let's burn this down or step away, or this isn't working in the hard days that we all have. Sure. Um, you know, tuck these moments into your, your, your vest and have it for the long haul. You know, the community is, is wonderful in the town of Flemington. It's, it's, it's where I grew up, you know, it's where I went to high school and it's it, th that move of coming there, you know, cause I was fighting going back to Philadelphia. Like I came here after I had you know, my loft in Fishtown, Philadelphia got mo a bad mold problem. And I came back here and I was planning on moving back and trying to open up a gallery. And, you know, my dad was like, Hey, like there's this place for rent. I just saw online, like it says good for an art gallery. And it was in turntable junction, which the building now is burned down ironically enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, doing that was the best move. You know, my, my dad, uh, definitely, deserves 100% for pushing me that day and bringing me down. He's like, let's go. Let's go down and, and get this, go get this place. Yeah. And then uh, coming over to Stangle with George Eckelman and Frank Banish when they approached me and now being here and meeting like Jared Oberman from Factory Fuel, who then you know, him and I became great friends and mm -hmm. we started the musical journey and, and you know, Bluefish Grill and Flemington Pottery and before that Kissimmee and everyone down the line. Um, and the whole Love Flemington group, it it makes me feel welcome. Mm -hmm. And it's those days when I'm really doubting myself and all that, that when people come up to me and start to talk to me about like, hey, oh, really, I like this. Oh, I'm so glad to see you here. Like, I'll go there like with a little bit timid, like I'm not having the greatest day. I really don't feel like talking. Then by the end of the day, when I come home and I'm blabbing to my girlfriend 100 <laughs> miles an hour, what a great day I had. And this is the best day. And you know, this is amazing. Like everyone was so great. That's what really, that's, that really keeps you going. Totally. It really does the community. Yeah. And it's, it is a great place. And you know, cause you're, you're there mm -hmm. and you, you hang out and you soak it all in around that area as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, um, just the, the roots of a community, people that, you know, you see all the time, even if it's just somebody passing by, you sure. know, um, the familiarity of a place, uh, as opposed to just having something online in the virtual space 
where right. you may not know who stops by. You may not know the person who purchases something. There's just a name and an address. Um, sometimes it's not even that, you know, it's um, so to have those connections, I think that that brings it into uh, more of a realness uh, in the experience yeah. of, of the art, even, you know. And watching even watching that whole area in Flemington and that Stangle Road area, you know, bloom like it has. Mm -hmm. It's it's just just keeps going, yeah. you know, now with the addition of Flemington DIY and it's just it's yeah. it's nice. And the creativity is buzzing. Yeah, I so think it's it, I need to mention, too, because I think it's really poetic. The fact that the building that you're in, you know, was it has the kiln the old, old kiln in there. Um, yeah. And so yeah. the fact that it was a place where things were being produced and the fires were stoked and, and you know, things were, were coming out of there that were being made. Um, it's very poetic that you're in there stoking your own fires and doing your own thing and making things. And so uh, that, that kind of continues on, even though it's not like an active kiln type situation, it is a, a uh, I guess, you know, uh, metaphorical kiln that's happening there still to this day. It is the whole that whole building has that whole building has a, a an energy that you can you can feel. You really can't describe it, but you can definitely feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to George Eckelman for saving that building and renovating yeah. it. He he really has a great always had a great vision for for the Stangle area. And another shout out to him. He's been a great guy to me, um, keeping the creative journey. That he's another one that you know, during the pandemic and through some hard times and things like that has always, always him and Frank Banish have always stood behind me. Um, even when I had walked up to them and, and said things like, oh, you could, you could get you know, triple the rent for this place. And, and, and like the simple answer that comes out of him is like, oh, I really love having you here. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, great. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's 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 a it's a nice feeling to know that you have a, a, a family aside from your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, before we go, let people know where can they find your art? Obviously, we talked about, you know, physically where you are in Flemington and Stangle Factory, but even online and, and other places, any place you want to point people to where they can check out your visual art, check out your music, uh, follow along sure. with you. Um, well, it's at Kev Von Holt, K-E-V-V-O-N. H-O-L-T. That's my Instagram. Um, I do have a website that is www.kevvonholtgallery.com. And that is a portfolio of all original work. Um, there's no e-commerce work on there um, for sale or anything. Um, and then I just recently launched a prints and products website. That is www.kevvonholt.com. And there you can get prints, um, products, design your own bags, pillows, you know, things like that. Um, so there's something that's, you know, easily accessible for anyone that wants to support and and uh, collect the work. Mm. Yes. And I highly recommend that anybody listening go check out Kevin's work, uh, both the, the visual and the music. And just follow along, man. Support him because uh, he's, yeah, the he's band an awesome is First dude. Class Creeps. You can find us on Spotify and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, um, and and hopefully we'll be back uh, recording some new stuff soon. Perfect, perfect. Well, I look forward to that, man. And I also, awesome. you know, one of these days I'm going to hop into that that uh, car of yours and go for a ride in style. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> we'll do that, man. I'm, I'm always seeing the get... parking lot. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the best. You'll always know me by the blue station iconic. Wagon. Yes. <laughs> That's actually back to the kiln part. There's a guy working on a, a little promo video and him and I were talking and he's using the wagon in the promo video, but he went and got a tiny replica matchbox car of it from eBay and painted it blue. So he's, he's CGI or whatever he's doing. Part of the promotional video is my wagon blasts out of the kiln <laughs> fire stack in this it's hilarious the way he's talking about it he's like come on we got to put the wagon in there it's iconic yes that's, like, funny. that's funny it's iconic to flemington and i love it <laughs> totally totally well thanks so much again for this time today thanks, uh, i know the listeners man i'm sure that they're like oh man i love this i love this guy i love what he's doing i need more of it and friend. uh and selfishly, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we just keep going to the next level in our conversations. And I look forward to hanging out with more, more in person, too. Likewise, man. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate all you do. And, and thanks for having me on your wonderful podcast. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others. 